That's an old one, isn't it? Yeah. That's an old one, but a good one. All right, good morning. I'm glad everybody's here this morning. Hopefully everybody had a good Thanksgiving and you didn't eat too much, or maybe you did, but 
you're here this morning, you woke up, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad to be here. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll do our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, for the opportunity to be here today, Lord, to worship you, to teach your word, Lord, and to worship you in song and giving today, uh, Lord. Thank you for this week. It's been a great week, Lord. We get to spend time with family, and, and Lord, there's just uh, many brothers and sisters around the world that don't, don't get to enjoy... Um, Thanksgiving meals and just get-togethers like we do and have the freedom we do, so we never can take that for granted, God, and I don't this morning. Uh, Lord, we love you. We worship you today. In all things, we give you all the praise and all the glory, Lord. It's your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone.
Here's another older, older song, but I think kids will like it. It's one of my favorite songs by during Christmas season. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. I'm going to ask Mike if he would come up here this morning. Mike just got back from Cape Town, South Africa. and We, he has a, we have a short slideshow of some of the things they got to do there. Uh, you guys helped support sending him there. And so I know he's got to you know, say a few words about the trip and kind of what all you guys did and, and all that. So you guys have a slideshow? Okay.
So it's good to be home. Uh, one thing I realized is uh, how blessed we are here. Uh, it's a third world country over there. And uh, so I just want to thank this church for supporting me on that trip to go over there uh, to support Freeway Ministries over there. Uh, the Freeway Ministries is a little bit different over there. The children in Cape Town, South Africa, don't have the opportunity to go to school, uh, not all of them. You have to have money to be able to put your kid into school. And so a lot of these guys in the freeway, the freeway house over there, they don't have an education. They've never been trained uh, in any in to, to work. And so they're, they're completely untrained and they have uh, so they have that against them. And so uh, one thing that I that we're going to be probably doing here pretty quick. I haven't talked to Jeff about it, but. Uh, is a fundraiser to uh, Freeway Ministries is going to what they're going to do is they're taking storage containers and they're going to put four storage containers in a in a square and then put a build a roof over the top of it and it's going to be the new Freeway Ministries training center and they're going to teach the guys how to weld how to drive trucks how to do how to how to uh, to get them trained to go back into the 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 workforce and so uh I had uh, I'll be talking to you about that about doing some uh, fundraising for that. The storage containers are like two thousand dollars a piece, and so I had talked to Gregory Craig about maybe wanting to purchase one of the the containers for him, and so we'll be doing that. But like I said, it's good to be home. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to go into uh, one of the most dangerous prisons on the planet, Fallsmore Prison, and we went into that prison and. Uh, I was a little worried going in, uh, but we went in with someone with another guy that was a member of the 28 gang. And if you know any, if you if you look up Paulsmore Prison on on YouTube, and you'll see the special on it. But the the numbers gangs, they're they're extremely violent. And this guy uh, was going back in. He had given his life to Christ, and he we went back in with him. But there was about 50 guys that we got to minister to, and uh, we went in there, and you could just see in their eyes they were empty. It, there was a lot of death, uh, a lot of anger, and they were just empty. And by the time they heard the word of God, it was just really cool to be in the presence of uh, of, of what took place there. There was out of about 50 guys, about 25 to 30 of them came forward, many of them weeping and getting on their knees and giving their life to Christ. And so, it was just an honor to be a part of that. Uh, and so, we'll give it be given a more in depth. Uh, story on what went on over there here later but I just want to thank this church for supporting me on that trip yeah well yeah give him a hand we'll have a uh, we'll have a Wednesday night where we just um, he can just talk about it and ask some questions I've had I had the opportunity Sierra and I did I don't know it's probably been seven or eight years ago to uh, go to Cape Town probably been seven years ago now six years ago something like that and it, it is a trip I think that um, it just really opens your eyes to how blessed we are and fortunate we are to live where we do and have the opportunities that we have uh, here compared to other people around the world. So busy week um, tonight for other announcements, guys. Tonight, men's Bible study uh, at 6 o'clock. Wednesday night is kind of a special service. Um, we're we're going to have some music. Trey's going to be doing a devotion. And then we, we have what we call Hanging of the Green, where we decorate the church for Christmas. Uh, we'll have um, hot chocolate and cookies and stuff like that. After dinner, we'll have dinner, normal time at 6 o'clock, and then we'll do the hanging of the green at 6.45 where we have a service and, uh, and do that. So that's Wednesday night, so don't miss that. And then this weekend, we have the Christmas parade coming up. Christmas parade, um, I know they have a whole bunch of plans for it. Where's Dana at? I'm 
You want to come up here real quick? And she's got some details on the Christmas parade, 7 o'clock, and some sweatshirts. So her and Tommy have really organized this whole deal, and so, yeah. On December the 3rd, the Marshmallow is having their Christmas parade, and the theme is Light Up Marshfield. And um, we are going to meet here at the church Saturday morning at 10 a.m. to work on the float. And it's going to be really cool. I just had a burden to do it this year because it's a great opportunity for our church to be out and share the gospel. So 10 o'clock Saturday morning here at the church, we're decorating. Okay. Um, so we're making these sweatshirts. If anyone wants one, um, they're at like $11 online on Amazon. It's just a Hanes sweatshirt. So if anyone wants a sweatshirt, um, I would love to make it for you or uh, make it with you on Wednesday night and on Saturday. So if anyone wants one, please let me know. And then also, um, if we can get donations to help pay for some of the shirts for some of the people that are going to be witnessing and doing some stuff um, at the parade as well, that would be amazing. And um, the back, it does have more stuff. It has our church, and it has the freeway ministry on it. So um, it'll be nice when people are walking by the float and handing out stuff for our church to be advertising our church in the freeway program. Sweet. All right. Thank you, guys. So Saturday, yeah, that's going to be fun. A couple other things we got going on. Uh, the women's Christmas party, December 9th at the church. They're going to have an ugly ornament exchange, a devotion, dinner, desserts. Any other thing I need to announce on that, Valerie? December 9th at the church. What time? 6, 6 p.m. Uh, here at the church, ladies. $10. Cost is $10. So um, see Valerie uh, with questions on that. The youth are taking a youth trip on Saturday, December 10th. That is going to be, uh, they're leaving here at 445, 445 and going to Freeway Headquarters in Springfield uh, that evening. Also, women's breakfast and coffee this week. Do you know when you're doing that? Tuesday at Mom's Cafe. There it is. Uh, Tuesday, 830, ladies, for women's coffee. And then we also have something coming up I was given. Uh, this is called the Men of Courage. It's January 10th at 6 p.m. Is this at... Freeway Headquarters, I, I take it. Freeway Headquarters, okay. Um, guys, this is uh, it's a Men of Courage night, January 10th at 6 p.m. at Freeway Headquarters in Springfield. So anything else on announcements this morning that I forgot? Yes. Background checks. Anything on nursery questions, please see Abby on the nursery schedule. Anything else? Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's uh, have our time of worship today as we enter it with song and giving, and let's bless our morning uh, offering today. Now, another thing before I do that, I, I, I should bring this up. I should have brought this up. Last Sunday, the activities team did an amazing job at Thanksgiving dinner. If you came last week, it was a lot of fun. Give them a big hand. Food was great. We had games. It was just a great evening, and I and we just I I can't stress this enough. I, I tell my family this, and I, it's a good reminder for me that there's a lot of our brothers and sisters around the world, guys, that don't get to do the kind of things that we get to do, and so we should never take that for granted that we could come and meet and eat with one another and have services unhindered. There may be a time in our country, guys, where we can't do these things unhindered. We may be hindered. 
we'll be fighting back being hindered, but we'll be hindered possibly, right? And so we, we need to not take it for granted. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll bless, bless our morning offering. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, again this morning for just the opportunity to be here, uh, Lord, and to, to worship you, uh, Lord. I thank you for uh, this schedule that we just laid out with these events. Just a, a very, very exciting time for the church and a busy time being able to, to share the gospel with people and to reach people and um, to have activities with one another and, and to fellowship with one another. And Lord, I thank you for Mike. And um, he took time away from his new wife to go and minister to people around the world. And so I thank you for him. I thank you for their trip. It sounds like it was an amazing success. And um, uh, sharing the gospel is what we're supposed to do. So I thank you, Lord, for him. Uh, just be with us this morning as we give back to you, Lord. We take this offering. Use it, Lord, to further your kingdom. Use it for the, the gospel to be spread in our local community, around the world. And in all things, God, we give you the praise and glory. It's in your name I do pray, Lord. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment I wake up till I lay my head, I will sing.
can go downstairs, 2nd grade and below to Children's Church if they'd like to this morning. If you would, please turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. 
Ephesians chapter 6. We're about ready to finish up this section on the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. And we're gonna, what I'm going to read this morning is uh, 18 through 20. 18 through 20. It says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly, as I ought to speak. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, again, I thank you this morning for allowing me to be here today, Lord. And as we talk about prayer, this is something that's, um, I think, very overlooked and um, maybe very lacking and missing in a lot of our lives. And uh, Lord, it is absolutely a weapon uh, of warfare that we can use. And so, Lord, I pray that we are a praying church that prays for one another, that prays for people in our community. Uh, God, and I pray that today... My prayer is that we will glean uh, from these verses. We'll, you'll encourage us where we need to be encouraged, Lord. Convict us where we need to be convicted, God. And, and get, our, get our, um, our minds and our ways on your will, God, today for our lives. And what you would have us uh, to be as a church, a praying church. And in all things, God, we love you. I thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So over these last couple of months, uh, and I'm going to apologize again this morning. I'm having a tough time beating this cold, so uh, if I, my voice cracks or I have to drink some water, just bear with me. That's why I didn't walk around and cough on all you guys this morning, all right? So, um, but over the last couple of months, we've been looking at the whole armor of God and how it impacts our lives and why uh, Paul uh, wrote this and why God wanted it in his word. And uh, we've looked at several things. We've looked at standing firm with the belt of truth. The belt of truth keeps everything together. Who is truth? Jesus said, I am truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. We talked about the breastplate of righteousness. Oh, it's not our righteousness that we put on. It's the Lord Jesus. It's his perfect righteousness. Our righteousness would be full of holes. It would be lacking, but his righteousness is perfect. We would put on the Lord Jesus Christ and we trust in him for salvation. We receive his righteousness. It's what protects us. We put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is what? Peace being, between man being made, peace being made between man and God. That is the gospel. We have that message that we're supposed to carry all around the world, into our community, everywhere we go. We are uh, ambassadors, as Paul says here in our text this morning. We have the ministry, a ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation is sharing the gospel. It's sharing how men can be forgiven of their sins. We take up the shield of faith. Our faith in what? Not ourselves, not our own good works, not in anything else but the Lord Jesus Christ. We put our faith in him. Our helmet of salvation, it protects our mind. Our, our, our helmet of salvation, the salvation that we have in Christ. It keeps us grounded in the truth of who he is, our salvation in Christ. And then we talked about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We spent a couple of weeks on that, talking about the sword of the Spirit and how that's our offensive weapon. It is how we strike Satan. It's, it, we looked at the example that Jesus used when he was tempted by, by Satan. What did he do? He quoted Scripture. He quoted Scripture. We have to hide God's Word in our hearts. 
My prayer is that you have grown in your understanding uh, of this and, and your ability to wage warfare against Satan. He is our enemy. If you remember in the first part of this text, we are in a battle. It's, it's not against flesh and blood. It's against Satan. It's demonic. It is a spiritual battle. It's spiritual warfare. Today, we, we look at the, the last topic in this. Uh, there's probably going to be one more sermon in this uh, text, but um, today we want to talk about prayer. Prayer. The warfare of prayer. In verse 18, and, and I want to ask a foundational uh, question this morning. Do you really, and, and, I, and I, hope every, I hope everybody individually asks themselves this question this morning. Do you really believe in the power of prayer? Do you really believe in the power of prayer? Undoubtedly, there is power in prayer. The pages of this book are filled with proof all over uh, of, of many, many examples of great Christians that had faith that prayed. And the proof should also be in our own lives and the life of this church and anybody who claims the name of Jesus. Here's one example, one of my favorite ones I want to read to you this morning. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17 Verses 17 through 23. 1 Kings 17, 17 through 23. It's a great example of this. It says, After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to, come, come, come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, Give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up to the upper chamber where he lodged, and he laid on him on his bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched out himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. And the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in, in your mouth is truth. What did Elijah do? Well, he had faith. He had faith, and he took his requests to God in prayer. He cried out to God in prayer. He cried out to him in prayer. I think many times we can use prayer uh, as just a, a way of getting out of uh, bad situations. We should be crying out to God in prayer, not only for miraculous things such as this, but in our everyday lives. Crying out to God is a prayer uh, to the Lord. Prayer is not meant to be one of the many activities we engage in as a church. It's not to be uh, one of the ministries you as a Christian become involved in. Prayer should be to a Christian just like breathing. It should be something that you're doing. It's just second nature. You're doing it to keep yourself alive in Christ. It's a part of every activity that we do. Uh, and, and, and we should continue to do that. We've prayed multiple times today during this service. You should, prayer should be on your lips throughout the week when you're living in this world. Prayer is very, very powerful in a Christian life. Uh, it should not just be the beginning of our meetings and the end of our meetings, or not just before you eat a meal. It shouldn't just become habit and routine. It should be, uh, it should be something you're doing all the time, not at just certain instances. 
Many people have dropped prayer from their life because they think it's too burdensome. It's too hard. It's too, it's too difficult. If we uh, have that attitude about prayer, we, uh, 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 it's the same attitude if a soldier was just going to leave his rifle and ammunition at home. Can't go into battle without that. You can't go into battle without prayer. The Christian term in Scripture is an athletic term. Paul often described Christians in an athletic event as a runner or a boxer, a fighter, a worker. Prayer is demanding. It is hard at times. It involves true, dynamic, faith-filled prayer. It will either make or break a Christian life. Paul talks about this uh, athletic term in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. He says, do you not know that in races all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable uh, wealth, but we an imperishable. Many people will spend hours and hours and time after time doing the things that we love. And in fact, I think what we do the most, we could say we love the most. Whatever we spend the most time doing is generally what we love the most, what we invest our time into. And people will spend hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years out of their life doing something that literally doesn't do anything for them spiritually. It may do something for them physically in their physical life, but nothing spiritual. And they'll, they'll invest in the temporary, but not for eternity. In 1 Timothy 4.8, it says, For while bodily training is some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. What does that mean for us? What does that mean? That means that we should spend time spiritually exercising ourselves. One of those ways to spiritually exercise yourself is prayer. Spending time talking to God about things that are important to you, things that are important uh, to, to the body, your family. You're spending time in prayer with God, pouring your heart out to him. And you know what starts to happen in prayer? You start to be adjusted to God's will for your life. You become more intimate and more close with God when you're talking to him. If we don't do that, we're not training ourselves in godliness. Another way that we train ourselves in godliness is spending time reading God's word. We've talked about that. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. The world anymore, to be honest with you, it doesn't fear the church. It doesn't fear. There's no fear of the church. It barely tolerates it. It considers the church anymore to not even be valid, not even to be a player in the world's affairs, only an observer. How do I know this? I was talking with some ladies this morning about Choices Pregnancy Center downstairs. We, we're, we're a very active participant in Choices Pregnancy Center. It's a, a pregnancy center fighting abortion. We are talking about uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned and how exciting that was. And, and it's, um, we're, we're going to do some checking on this, but it's come to our attention that uh, anymore, uh, you can, you can uh, because the Roe v. Wade was overturned and went back to the state's rights, if a woman wants an abortion, she can go online and get abortion pills shipped to her house, even here in Missouri still. So this fight isn't over, and I bring this up because uh, since uh, 1970, approximately 52 million, it's more than that now, but have been, babies have been aborted in the U.S. 52 million. I don't think that's a current number. What's the current number now, Shelly? About 60 now? Okay. 60 million. 
know, you compare that to Joseph Stalin. He murdered 40 million. Everyone talks about Hitler. They should. He murdered 30 million. Christians living in the United States not standing up for evil. And we've allowed 60 million people, babies, to be murdered. Knowing something is wrong and standing by and not trying to stop it, what are, what are we, church? We're an accessory to murder. The church is not what the world wants it to be, made out to be. A quaint old relic of the past. The, the building may add some charm to the neighborhood. It's a nice little building, but it's a holdover from days gone by. It's harmless. It's like a beach whale. You know, churches are closing all over our country, all over the country. Satan has made the world very, very attractive, very attractive. That's not what God meant the church to be. How many of you ever went to a Harlem Globetrotters game? It's been a couple years since I went. You go and you watch the Harlem Globetrotters, and they, man, they're good. They can... They, they even put on the basketball court, they'll put like a, a four-point line, a five-point line, and they'll cross half-court and shoot half-court shots and make it. I mean, they're crazy good at basketball. They're really good. You know when you watch the Harlem Globetrotters, there's two teams that play. You may know the, na- uh, the name of the other team. Huh? The Washington Generals. The Washington Generals. Their record from 1953 to 1995 was 6 and 13,000. <laughs> Not a very good record, right? So what are the Washington Generals? No one comes to watch them. They're like the bad guys. They're the sparring partners, right? They're supposed to get beat up by the Harlem Globetrotters. Guess what the church is not supposed to be? We're not supposed to be a sparring partner for Satan to let him beat us up. That's not what God designed us to be, for him to just bang us around. We're not the Washington Generals. You know, how, you know how I know the vast majority of churches are like the Washington Generals? Because preachers, and we won't teach about how bad sin is. We won't talk about sin. Hey, it's easy for me to talk about how horrible abortion is. It's, it's something else to actually do something about it and be invested in the fight. We need to do something. God called the body of Christ to be what? More than conquerors. To storm the gates of hell. To wreak havoc. The same way that Jesus and Paul did individually. That's what this battle's about. All right, so there's four words I want to cover this morning that have to do with prayer. Four words. Calling, conflict, challenge, and command. Let's start with calling. We see it in this passage in verse 10. We have a calling. We have a calling. It says, finally, my brothers, be strong. My brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. We have a calling to pray, church, because without prayer, we have no strength. We have no strength. I, I, anybody um, know who Jeremiah Lamphere is? I believe I'm pronouncing his name right. Anybody know who that is? In 1857, America was in an economic and a spiritual crisis. Attendance in the church had dwindled. During this time, God put a vision in this man's heart to start having prayer meetings. And so every day at noon, he would have a prayer meeting on Fulton Street in New York City. He spent much time advertising the first meeting. When he showed up September 23rd of 1857, no one seemed to come. At 12.30, one man came, then another. There was a total of six people that first day. The numbers slowly started increasing. By October 14th, over 100 were coming. Other buildings were now needed. 
Churches opened their doors as thousands of people would come every day to pray. By March of 1858, a theater that held over 3,000 people was overflowing. Fire stations, police stations were requested to help with the room. These prayer meetings spread outside New York City. They spread to, uh, to England and across the entire nation, New England. The prayer meetings of 1857 became the revival of 1858, in which many thousands and thousands of people were saved. Three years later, war would break out in our country and many lives would be lost. Many of those people that were lost were followers of the Lord Jesus Christ because of one man saying, we need to pray. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray. Two common things about a person who is weak in prayer, very two common things. Number one, they rarely pray. Even though verse 18 says pray at all times. They pray faithless prayers, really not trusting God. It's just words. It's just words that come out. They really don't trust that God is going to hear them or answer them. And they pray without a knowledge of God's will. There's no target. There's no target of what they're praying. Charles Stanley said this, We pray weak prayers because we don't comprehend God's promises concerning the release of supernatural power through prayer. Prayer brings God's power to our battles. It's the means with God brings the power to the fights that we're having. You know, churches many times, many times people think there are MVPs in the church, right? Man, they're the most important people in the church. You know who the MVPs are in a church? They're not the ones that are most humanly gifted. They're not the ones that are the best speakers most of the time. They're not the ones that most of the time that are the most educated or the most wealthy. The most powerful force in the church is the saint of God that spends time praying for the church and in prayer. That's who Satan fears the most, is the person in the church that prays. The kind of church we are is seen by our prayers. It is the best indicator of our spiritual condition in how you pray. Second word is conflict. If you go back to our text in Ephesians 6 and verse 12, what does it say? It says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. What is prayer? Prayer is wrestling. It's nothing, it, nothing I don't think there's anything more tiring than wrestling. All right, I don't know where they're at, but I'm going to bring this up. We had some people over for Thanksgiving uh, Wednesday night. We had, a, we had a big Thanksgiving meal. And we had two wrestlers there. I don't know, are they here this morning? I don't know. Abby's not. Okay, good. Abby's not here. Is Sam here? Where's Sam at? Is Sam back there? Oh, he's back in the sound booth. So we had two wrestlers, one's in high school, one's in junior high. And I'm like, well, it's like 11 o'clock at night. Let's turn the lights on outside. I'll get the spotlight. Let's have a wrestling match. <laughs> so, so we have two teenagers rolling around in the dirt, 
out in our front yard at 11 o'clock at night, and I'm holding the spotlight going, come on, get his leg, pin him, and we had a blast, didn't we? But they were wore out. They wrestled probably three or four times, and I mean, they were exhausted. I don't think there's anything more tiring than you can do. What does it demand? Wrestling. And I'll tell you, that young man back there, he's an eighth grader. He got first at his last turn. Eighth grade, right, Sam? He got first at his last tournament. Keep your eyes on him. He is going to be a good wrestler for our school uh, pretty soon. He's, he's good. But there's nothing. It demands strength, endurance, knowledge of your opponent. They were doing stuff on moves on one another. And I'm like, I don't even know what you guys are doing, but it looks like it hurts, right? They, they knew what they were doing. Well, prayer is warfare with Satan. And we, when we become faithful in prayer, we soon realize that even our ability to pray is God working in us. Listen, all of us were, most of us, I'm sure, were born in a hospital. But when you were born again, you were born again on a battlefield for you to do battle with Satan. I'm afraid that the last thing on most people's mind, most believers' mind, most brothers' and sisters' mind, when they wake up, is a new day that there's another battle in which prayer is a weapon of victory. Many of us just don't think like that. The church becomes powerless when we become prayerless. Five indicators of a harmless prayer or a harmless person who prays. Number one is an absence for the love of God's word. They have an absence of love for God's word. Instead of a home for God's word in our heart that lives and dwells there, we're like more like a, a Super 8 hotel where there's check-in and check-out time every Sunday morning at 11. Let me open my Bible because the preacher said we're preaching out of this today. And that's the only time we read God's word. We let things get in the way. We think we get busy, but you know what? We're not, we're not, it's not that we're too busy. We just spend time with the things that we love. If you love God's word, you'll spend time reading it. You'll, you'll adjust your schedule. Second thing, five indicators of a harmless prayer, prayee. Lukewarmness for the things of God. Very lukewarm about things of God. Attendance, discipleship, giving, ministry. Those are all things that take a back seat. Not excited about those things. We'll show up if we have to. A casual attitude, number three, towards the will of God. What's the will of God in your life, in your relationships, in your families, in serving others? Those are all things, fellas, that I tell you to think about when you start dating, you start courting someone, right? How does that person serve the Lord? What is their relationship? God's will for our life, what is that? An absence of a commitment to pray. That's a last resort. It's kind of the spare tire. We don't think about the spare tire. Well, I sure hope the air's got, got air in the spare tire when you're pulled over on the highway and have a flat, right? It's an emergency flare. Oh, Lord, help me. Pop the flare, right? Five, a love for the world's ways and affection for the world's things. What does it say in verse 11? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That is a challenge. That's the next part. That's the challenge. 
a challenge that is current to us today, to be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The kingdom of God is like a relay race, which we get to pass the baton. Talked about wrestling earlier, you know, tag team wrestling, you tag in your partner. remember watching wrestling when I was a kid. Hawk and Animal, the Road Warriors, they were a good tag team, right? You tag the next person. Prayer is supporting one another. You're there for one another. You're praying for each other. You're passing the baton. The ways of the devil are constantly attacking our faith. Constantly. You know, here's some ways that Satan's attacking. I talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago, but I want to touch on it again. These are ways that Satan is actively attacking us right now. Atheism. Tell you, I'm pretty. I'll be honest. I'm just pretty disheartened about this. I really am. You know, I look at I look at the way pe- young people believe now. When I say young people, I'm talking about 18 to 30. Their church attendance is the lowest point in the history of this country for that age group. 18 to 30. Many of them are atheists. Satan is attacking that group. I think more than any other group segment in our society. Many of them have become socialist. We fought. Our grandfathers fought socialism in World War III. They died to fight socialism. And we have a generation of people that want to bring that back. That is an attack from Satan. Socialism is from Satan. More than any time in our country, there are more people that claim atheism than any other time. Humanism, man believes they can reach their potential outside of God. Many people believe they are God. They act like they're their own God. Modern philosophies, knowledge of God is neglected for entertainment. It's neglected in our government. It's neglected in Hollywood. There's a spirit of compromise in the American church now. Spirit of self-centeredness, materialism. People don't want to call out sin because they're scared. They're scared that the world will hit them back at them or or, or tell them that they're homophobic or racist or whatever all the terms are these days they want to use. So the church, what what happens when we take that seat? We take a back seat. We give in. Satan wins. Spirit of compromise. Paul faith, Paul's faithfulness in his day made a difference. It made a difference. And our faithfulness in prayer, in speaking the truth, is going to affect generations to follow. Listen, God hasn't left us in this fight or this battle without a resource. Prayer is firing the winning shot. I believe with all my heart a praying church can change a community. I believe with all my heart that a praying husband, a wife, can change a family. I believe with all my heart that a praying community could change a state or a country. I believe that. Revival doesn't come because we place it on a calendar and we say we're going to have our spring and fall revival. It doesn't happen like that. But because God puts it in our hearts and we start to pray. And we pray. It's exactly what happened in the Welsh Revival in the early 1900s. People would go door-to-door praying for their neighbors, inviting them to church. 
Revival swept across the land. You know, judges then, they wore white gloves, which signified they don't have any cases to try. Police, for lack of work, formed choirs and sang at churches. Bars closed. The media, the newspapers actually spread the news of the conversions. That's how it happens. Here's the final word, command. Verse 18, pray at all times. That's a command. That's a command. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times. You know, for hundreds of years, missionaries, we hire missionaries here. For hundreds of years, missionaries working in China, they would reach thousands of people, and the gospel started spreading all over. Then the nation became closed to the gospel, and the missionaries were forced to leave. And now in China, there's an underground church that was left and no other weapon than what? Prayer. You know, in China, there's the, when they get a copy of God's word, the people will read it fervently to try to memorize everything so they can pass it along. Now, you look, during these past decades, the estimated number of Christians has grown from less than 1 million to estimates are 50 to 100 million Christians in China now. What was their weapon? Prayer. Prayer. They had prayer. Remember this. Paul says prayer is not an option to consider. It's a command to be obedient to. Pray without what? Ceasing. Be a praying church. Be a praying husband. Here's the conclusion. I'm asking our worship team to come this morning. Here's the conclusion. Guys, we're in a war. We're in a war. That's why I wanted to cover this in Ephesians chapter 6. If you can't look around our country and our community and not see that we're in a battle, get the blinders off. We are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle. We're at war. It's not, it's, it doesn't matter whether you want to be or not, you are. Prayer is a weapon of victory. It is our communication with our Lord Jesus. We need to cry out to God together. We need to be a praying church. We started this several months ago. We're once every quarter, once every couple of months, we have a Wednesday night prayer meeting. I think we're probably due for another one. Those are great times. Every Wednesday night, we have a prayer team that meets right here in this side classroom to pray for prayer requests. How many of you, be honest this morning, don't raise your hand. When I send out a prayer request, do you pray for it? If you don't, start praying for it. If that means you have to pull over to the side of the road and park to pray for that prayer request, do it. Do it right then. Don't wait. Pray for one another. Pray for each other. Pray for your families. Dads, pray for your kids. Encourage your kids. This is a weapon that we have to use in this fight. It's, a, it's our direct connection. Hey, I don't think there's anything cooler, guys, that I can tell you than you have direct access through Jesus Christ to the creator, the God of the universe. That's amazing. You can talk to him. We need to cry out to God. If you have sin in your life, guess what happens? Your prayers are going to be hindered. How can you unhinder that prayer? Getting down on your knees and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for making a mess of what you've given me authority over. Listen, every one of us in this room are going to be held accountable for God one day. Every one of us, for our individual lives, 
fellas, we're going to be held accountable for our families. That's a huge, huge thing. We're going to stand before God one day and have to give an account for how we raise our, our kids and our, our families. If you, if you have sin in your life that's hindering your prayers, get it out. Get it out. Pray for our, pray for our country. Pray for our leaders. Pray for the church. Be ready to share the gospel. I think, you know what? Here's the most dangerous prayer I think we could pray this morning. You want a dangerous prayer? Pray this. Lord, make me more like Jesus. Show me areas in my life that I'm not like Christ. And change me. And then you know what? Saddle up, buddy. Because he will. He will. I'm going to ask you to stand. If you need to come today, you can. It's only possible through the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning, God, for your word. Thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, for the access that we have through your death, burial, and resurrection. Lord, I pray this morning if there's someone here that doesn't know you, they don't leave here today without confessing you as their Lord and their Savior and believing on you, believing what you did on the cross. Lord, I pray that my prayer this morning, if we're here, Lord, and we're not spending time in your word, not spending time in prayer with you, you convict us, Lord. The only way we restore that is for us to humble ourselves. Lord, there's times when we need to humble ourselves in front of our families. There's times when we need to humble ourselves in front of our church brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray for that this morning. And Lord, I know, I believe with all my heart, unless we do that, nothing's going to change. So if we want to change in our families, in our lives, we've got to humble ourselves. And you, because when people humble themselves, you promise us you'll exalt them. You'll restore. We've got to be obedient and, and take away our pride. Take away, Lord, anything in our life that's going to make us from getting down on our knees and just believing in you and, and, and Lord, wanting to conform to you and your word. Lord, we, I, I'm thankful this morning, uh, God, for this church. Well, all of us have a choice today, whether it be obedient to you or not. Lord, I pray we're obedient. To your name I pray. Amen.
Thank you guys this morning for coming. I'm not going to shake hands again today, guys. I've just had a cold for a couple weeks, so pray. I'm okay. I just don't want to get anybody sick. So um, one of our elders, other elders, if you guys don't mind, um, shake hands people leave. I wanted to read this today. It's a long benediction, but it's Matthew chapter 6. Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, and he talks about prayer. It starts in verse 5 through 13. I want to read it. Matthew chapter 6 says, And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words." Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. He gives us an outline of how to pray. Not to be boastful, not to stand and have big, long, drawn-out prayers. What does Jesus want? He wants our heart. He wants you. He wants to have a conversation with you, just like you would your spouse or anybody else in your family. The creator of the universe wants to talk to you. He wants to spend time in prayer with you. He wants you to read his word. That's how we communicate. That's how we communicate. I'm going uh, to ask Ace if he would close us in prayer this morning. If you need anything, come see me. Um, next week we have a baptism. I forgot to tell the deacons. I have a baptism next week. <laughs> They'll have the baptistry ready. I'm excited to baptize him next week. We have a baptism here at the church. Not the river. I ain't getting in the river. Why guys. not? Not for a few more months. But I pray you have a great day with your families. Ace, would you dismiss us, please? Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you once again for another opportunity, Lord, to... Uh, just together with your body, and uh, we are the church, Father. This building is just a building, Lord. All of us together here, united together, is the church. Lord, let us not forget that. Uh, keep us safe as we travel. Put a hedge of protection upon us. Father, if there's anybody here still struggling, Lord, um, they with a relationship with you, Lord, all, it's just as easy as, like Brother Jeff said, talking to a friend. I love you, Lord, and I thank you for everything you've given in my life. And it's in your wonderful name I pray. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great day in the Lord. Glory, glory. Hallelujah.
Ruby, Elena, to the stage, please. And Trey's wife, you, to the stage, please. Sarah. Savannah. Oh, the other one. Oh, they know, and Sarah, they know we pick music. I'm going to have to get a belt and have her dad spank her. I think. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to do Hello, hello. Can we get Ruby and right? Elena up here, please? So here's the list. Go through them, scroll any song you see that you like. Those are the ones we know. By the way, guys, she's going to start coming to practice to be on the team. So. She's going to be here Tuesday, and she's got to do like five weeks of practice, and then we'll go from there. Hey, it don't matter. You got to put it in the ding. You, get, you can't tell. You got to put it in. <laughs> 